This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. And welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. Hope to find you well. Uh, I apologise. It's been a little quiet on the uh, on the podcast front. I was just taking a, a little time away. But I always had this kind of episode in the back of my mind, should it have been needed. So here we are. Uh, England, under 21, European champions. How good does that sound? That's right. After 39 years of hurt, the Young Lions at under 21 level, they've finally put that hoodoo to bed. Not since 1984, when we beat Spain over two legs, have we won that title. Uh, I appreciate there's probably some of you that weren't even born then. Um, and I must admit, I uh, I don't remember it. Um, but I, I was around. Uh, we did, of course, make it to the finals in twenty no two thousand and nine, wasn't it? Um, but that ended in defeat to Germany. This time, twenty twenty three, Lee Carsley's boys have won their third title uh, once again. It's victory over Spain this time in Georgia. I'll be joined very shortly. Uh, by Gary Lambert from Channel England uh, over on YouTube to discuss it more. But first, just wanted to emphasise this isn't a one-off. This has been a recent pathway of success for England, the FA, and also very much Gareth Southgate. Uh, whilst Gareth's time in charge of the under-21s, many of you may remember back between 2013 and 2016, Frankly, it wasn't a raging success, Uh, but he made that transition to the senior manager um, following Sam Allardyce's little cock-up. He knew then that the future success for the senior team had to be based from the youth level upwards. Uh, St George's Park at the time had been built, but it needed to start bearing fruit. So with the FA, Gareth um, and the England side, they basically started that pathway. And it was never going to be overnight. The classic phrase comes to mind of Rome wasn't built in a day. Uh, But let me take you back to October 2017. Our under-17s winning the, uh, the World Cup for that age group. Once again, against Spain in India. The team that featured the likes of Angel Gomez, Emil Smith-Rowe, Morgan Gibbs-White, some names that may be uh, familiar to you. There are more household names played then as well. Phil Foden, Conor Gallagher. That same year, the under-19s, they won the uh, the under-19s Euros. Uh, again, by chance, that was in Georgia. Uh, they beat Portugal in the final. Some players, Aaron Ramsdale, Rhys James, Mason Mount. Uh, and then again, in 2022, Uh, The under-19s would beat Israel in the final. Because that was only a year ago, those players haven't sort of matured through so much yet. But they're the ones that we'll be looking to as the next generation to come through at under-21 level. 
but back to 2017, the Under-20 World Cup. That was held in South Korea. We beat Venezuela in the final. Uh, some familiar names such as Lewis Cook for Kaio Tomori, uh, Calvert-Lewin as well. Uh, earlier this year, uh, the under-20s, they bowed out of the World Cup held in Argentina. Um, but you can also take into account this, the Toulon tournament. Uh, it's not the most prestigious of tournaments, let's be honest. But between 2016 and 2018, we picked up that trophy three times. Players such as Jordan Pickford, Jack Grealish, Rhys James, uh, Aaron Ramsdale again, Tomori. As I say, it's not the most prestigious of competitions, but success breeds success. And coupled with the Lionesses winning the Euros here on home soil last year, and of course the uh, the senior men making it to the Euro finals in 2021, times are good on the, uh, the silverware front. But the time has come for the senior men uh, to lift that trophy. And you'd hope that this pathway, that Gareth Southgate and his team beneath him at various levels, they can help him to enable that. But before we touch on that, uh, I'm joined by Gary Lambert to take a look back over the successful under-21 finals and that great win in Batumi. Gary, hello, mate. Hiya, mate. Thanks for having me again. No, more than welcome. What a, uh, what a victory. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a really good night, wasn't it? Um, and I think thoroughly deserved. Um, I think straight away saying, you know, England gone the whole tournament without conceding a single goal. That's the the big statistic that's come out. So it's it's a very, it was just been a reassured performance throughout the whole tournament from start to finish. And there's been so many players who have stood up in this tournament and, and overnight almost becoming household names. Yeah. I must admit, I went and saw the under-21s. I think it was it was either back end of April or early May. They played at Fulham, Craven Cottage. They played Croatia and they lost 2-1. And I must admit, I came away thinking, yeah, I haven't really got high hopes based on that. Uh, and I'm going to hold my hands up. I don't watch enough of the under-21s. I watch the highlights. And to be fair, I, I've watched the highlights mainly on, on this tournament. I think I caught one of the the early group games. Um, but what were your thoughts going into it? Well, it was, as far as an under-21 squad's going, this is actually, you know, quite an experienced squad. I think we had no players under 20. So, you know, a lot of the players were right on the on the cusp of the age limit. And we had quite a few. I think Gibbs White, for example, is over 21. It's just the way the eligibility works for yeah. this particular tournament. Um, but it meant, as England fans, we always, it seems like every youth tournament that comes around, we think we're favourites to win this. Yeah. We look at the players and think, you know, how, how can we go out? And and usually it's, it tends to be quite mixed. We either go out in the group stage and not do very well, or we tend to have a, a really successful run. And all the signs, looking at individual players, it looked like, you know, England should do well in this tournament, but you never know. Youth tournaments are, at this level are... And I don't think people appreciate this much more difficult than probably what they are at senior level because they're much smaller tournaments. So the the teams that are there already, you know, there's no one, no one's there to fill up the numbers. You know, every single team and every single game that's that you play at the tournament's a, a tough game. Um, so you know, you can never predict at this age range because most people as well don't know really the other talents that other teams have at that age yeah. range as well. But you know, looking at looking at the squad, you had 
you know, some English players there who had good seasons, Gibbs White, you know, Anthony Gordon's gone for big money, Emil Smith-Rowe the season before had already broken, you know, into the Premier League and done well. Um, people have started to hear of Cole Palmer, Levi Colwell was getting, you know, a lot of people were calling him to get caught up to the senior squad. So you were looking at that squad and thinking, you know, this this England squad should do, maybe not win it, but certainly should do well. And I think they've done better than probably what anyone would have predicted. Uh, I mean, to face Germany, Portugal, Spain, and, you know, go all the way through to the final and win it without conceding a goal, like I said, is just, you know, phenomenal. Yeah, I'm just going back to to what you say there about some of those teams that people may not know a great deal about. I mean, take Israel for example. Yeah, I I mean, I don't off the top of my head, I don't think they've ever qualified for a World Cup or a Euros senior level. I'm not 100 percent sure. Someone will correct me. But they they seem they seem to do quite well at youth tournaments hmm. though. Every time there's a youth tournament on around UEFA and Europe, they're always in the mix so it's yeah. it is interesting that they're there and thereabouts but from a senior point of view they seem to struggle to transition those pl- players through don't they so yeah. yeah well the group stage england were in group c um and they were paired against the czech republic israel and germany um amazingly we came i know you've already mentioned that we we didn't concede a goal throughout the whole competition which is a is a fantastic achievement but we won each of those games by two goals to nil um, that first one against the Czech Republic, um, Ramsey and Smith-Rowe scoring um, against Israel. It was Gordon and Smith-Rowe scoring. And we qualified from that with a, a game to spare, which took us to the Germany game. Um, I, I think this is the one I this is the one I watched. I get confused with the, the ones I watched and the, the highlights ones. But this one, the, the second goal um, that Harvey Elliott scored was... What what a move uh, of all teams to to make a move against Germany. We almost played them at their own game from I don't know five six seven years ago, where um, Trafford bowled the ball out to the halfway line. Harvey Elliott picked up on it, ran straight through, um, and slotted home. I think that was the uh, to make it two nil. Uh, but yeah, the group stages were were done and dusted quite easily. Yeah, I mean that Germany. It's worth mentioning as well. Obviously, German Germany were the defending champions, and yeah. they still very much had a lot to play for. You know, their, their pride, if anything. And I, I can't recall if they had any. I think they did actually. If they could have beat us, they still had a chance of qualifying. But um, so they had a lot to play for. And if you look at back at the uh, the team that Lee Carsley put out, it very much was a was a B team for the under twenty one side. You know, he changed over the back four and. He, he he put Cameron Archer starting, for example. So it wasn't it wasn't the first starting eleven he'd chosen for the first two games, and certainly wasn't the starting eleven that carried on through the tournament. So to come away from that game with a two 0 victory, with a essentially uh, you know the B team of the under twenty ones as well, just again topped it off, and the goals were were absolutely brilliant, and and we looked comfortable, didn't we? It was a it was a, another solid performance. It just shows that we have got such strength in depth. Yeah. Um, at at our level, which 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 can only be good going forwards. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's now, as we all know, it's the transition, isn't it? Um, it we, realistically, if you get four or five of these players that then push on to become senior England internationals and you know playing for big clubs, that's that's a good record. History shows that. Teams that win at this level, it's not realistic to expect that all these 11 or how many, you know, 18 or whatever was in the squad. It's not realistic that all of these are going to go on to 
bigger and better things. So, you know, yeah. if, if three or four players can come through from this and push on, that'd be brilliant. But you're looking at this squad and it's difficult to see whether there's so many, you know, Anthony Gordon, Gibbs, White, Smith, Rowe, Jones, Gomez, Madoweke, Levi Cowell, Trafford. And, you know, you can't see any of those players at the minute dipping because they're, they're on fantastic form and playing great football. This this is the thing that, as you say, some some players or maybe three, four of them will will progress through, and it's just through the nature of the game of players' physicality and and their sort of physical makeup that some players this might be their peak, and I don't, I don't want to sort of make it out to be. Um, I think it's just nat- it's natural. And it's the way it is that some players this will be their peak, um, and they can't progress on from here physically. Or some may make a a poor move club wise. They may not be treated well by their their club, and and their career just maybe falters away. Um, I know you've said about um, some players. It's, it's good to see them go abroad um, and get experience in in that nature. Um, I mean, Fikai Tamora is is an example of that, um, and he's still in the Jude Bellingham. Yeah, just, of course, yeah, Jude Bellingham. <laughs> yeah. yeah, how did I forget yeah. him? Yet there will be some a nucleus of this squad um, that that manages to carry on going forwards. Um, so you're right. Yeah, we can't we can't expect all eleven of them um, to go through, or all twenty three as a squad we've got. Um, it's it's just not the way it works. Um, but being being more positive, it's on to the quarterfinals we went um, to Portugal. Uh, great team goal this one. Um, Anthony Gordon um, finished this one off after a great move. Well, there was lots of sort of interpassing ar- around the box, and it ended up with Gordon slotting it home. Yeah, no, it was it was it was a great team goal, and it, and it summed up the way England have played. Actually, this tournament, it was. It, 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 we have these moments of magic within this team. And Anthony Gordon has been one of those players that's continuously stood out throughout the tournament. We're talking about this group of players being a really good, solid bunch of players, but there's still two or three that have, even at this tournament, show that they're probably a step above this now and ready to take those next steps. And, and Anthony Gordon was one of them. He had a fantastic final, um, great goal, as you said, in that Portugal game. Um, and I think this this was the toughest game of the tournament. Having watched all the games, there was a big period in this match where we seemed to run out of legs. And I don't know how we, we held on, but we did. And it's great that we did because that resilience, as we know, has been an issue with the senior men's, you know, taking these leads and either not seeing them out or, you know, trying not to go for a second or... So it was great to see England actually consistently throughout the tournament take a lead and, and hold on to it well, because that's what we've struggled at from a senior level. Uh, but we just seemed mature, a mature team. It never, there was never really any moments of panic or, you know, a dis- it was it was just a very mature um, team performance. And we looked relatively in control, but we did look like we were running out of legs against Portugal. So looking back, that was that was the key game for us. Do you think it's kind of a bit of youthful exuberance um, that the nature of of the at that age you just want to keep playing football and, and wanting to score goals um, rather than being more sort of defensively minded and, and applying the handbrake or, or perhaps that's Lee Carsley's sort of influence um, Ashley Cole as well. 
Yeah, I think I think maybe. Yeah, I mean, younger players asking a load of lads in the early twenties to sit back on a one one goal lead is never going to be something easy to do as a coach. No. I don't think, but no, it, the, the, there is a bit of that. Uh, but I think the 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 squad that Lee Carsley had at his disposal, you know, the players he was starting to bring off the bench, like even in the final Madawake coming off when we're one nil up, you know, these are attacking positive substitutions. So Lee Carsley was never really. He was never bringing on defenders when we were one or two nil up. It was always swapping attackers for attackers and looking to counter attack. So I, I think as much as the players probably wanted to play that uh, that way, I think Lee Carsley did very much encourage them to do so. And it was never, it never seemed like, you know, part the bus once we get a one nil lead, he still seemed to allow them that freedom to, to counter attack. And it proved really successful. Yeah. Well, semi-finals source play Israel um, again for the second time uh, in the tournament. Uh, came away with a 3-0 victory after um, in that game after missing a penalty early on. Um, didn't seem to put us out of our stride. Um, but yeah, won that and threw to the final against Spain, um, who Spain had topped their group, winning two, drawing one. They beat Switzerland in the quarterfinals and, and tore Ukraine apart in the semifinals. Um, so it was it was always going to be a, maybe a, a, a tough opposition to play in the final. Yeah, I mean, I think it's Spain had won three of the last five of these competitions as well. So, you know, the pedigree was there for them. They've really been, over the past 10, 20 years, haven't they, started to produce fantastic players at this level and, and dominated this trophy, really, over recent years. So I think everyone was expecting a little bit more from Spain in the yeah. final. But I, I could argue that probably England restricted them and, and, it, and it's the quality of England as much as Spain probably weren't at the races as much in the final. But... Yeah, the way they blew Ukraine out of the water in the semi-finals, and and to be fair, England did the same to Israel. It was a very comfortable game. We may have not scored six, but it was still a comfortable victory in the semi-final. So definitely, they deserve two finalists uh, to play each other. But I was I was definitely expecting more of an attacking threat from Spain um, throughout the match. And looking back on the game in the final, England certainly had by far the best opportunities within the match. But well, those opportunities came fairly early, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. The the first twenty minutes we were we were the better team by by far. I mean, we should have been one or two nil up. There were some issues with the replays and Mick Gibbs White was played in, wasn't he? And it looked like yeah. he just had a tap in, but I think fair play to the Spanish defender. I think he got a toe on it and managed to, you know, get it away. Um and England just came out of the blocks uh, with a lot more attacking threat and intent and just seemed like it was gonna be quite a comfortable game. But then as the half wore on, Spain obviously came back into it, and you could argue the goal probably came a little bit against the run of play. Yeah, yeah. Well, the goal came about because it was a free kick on, I wouldn't say it was on the edge of the box. It was a, it was a few yards back um, from from the edge of the box. Um, Cole Palmer um, s- struck it. I, it took a, a wicked deflection, in all honesty. Um, I think if it hadn't have taken that deflection, it might have gone straight into the keeper's arms. Um, but... That they all count, um, and that took us into the lead at an ideal time, right on half time. Yeah, it was a wicked deflection, wasn't it? I mean, it, it completely wrong footed the keeper, and obviously, it actually came off one of our lads, didn't it? I think we'd we'd put interestingly, we put players in front of their wall. Um, I don't know if the intention was literally just to smack it against the wall and hope for a deflected yeah. goal, but it, it certainly worked out that way, and it it, it deflected in, um, and it. It, you couldn't argue that England over the first half hadn't earned that lead in terms of chances created, uh, but it was um, it was unfortunate for Spain 
But yeah, he was one of them where I was begging in a left footer. The way it was, it was on the outside of the box to the side. I thought it's got to be a left footer yeah. whipping this in. And in the end, I think it was just going to hit the wall otherwise. But yeah, it came off. Uh, I think it was Curtis Jones's arse, I think, <laughs> deflected in the opposite corner. They so, all yeah, count. They do, they do. So half-time, 1-0 up. And I must admit, I didn't catch the the beginning of the second half. Um and I haven't since seen um, any of the the subsequent replays, but Spain had some. Spain scored, didn't they? But it was VAR chalked it off. Yeah, um, I think they were threatening. That Spain's biggest threat all night seemed to be coming from set pieces, and this was a. From what I remember, it was a it was another set piece, and it was. I mean, the the Spanish attacker just had the. It was completely on his own in the middle of the box. Um, Trafford nearly actually saved it from from point blank range, but it was offside. It wasn't. Oh, okay. It wasn't one of those close ones. It wasn't. You know, one of a typical toenail lines on the pitch decision. He was a good. You know, head and shoulders offside, and and it looked like that in real time. But it was a, a an early warning, a, a warning call for England, if you like, in early in the second half, and it and it seemed to be that because after that, I think England then went on a stint in the second half where again we were the better team and started creating a lot more chances. What I what I should have mentioned as well is is bang on half time, um, the referee went on a uh, on a card spree didn't he there, there was a lot of commotion was, going on the uh on the touchline i'm not quite sure what provoked it all it was a nasty game and in in the outside looking in because the cameras didn't seem to show any replays or weren't picking it up but it just seemed like the spanish were just taking exception to absolutely everything i mean they seemed to be crossed that england was celebrating a goal um, I don't know what they were appealing for, but I know Ashley Cole, I believe, got sent off, didn't they, from the yeah. touchline? And a, and a Spanish coach, I believe, got sent off. But it wasn't clear, I don't think, what had happened. Um, I think reading after the match, I think Cole Palmer was involved in a few things. Um, and if you look at the, um, if you look at some of the replays, they were a bit, you know, a bit of banter between the players, but the Spanish just, I don't know what they were appealing for consistently throughout the game. But yeah, they just obviously, really didn't enjoy the fact that they were 1-0 down on the stroke of half-time. Well, all the action came at the end of that half. And to be fair, a lot of the action came bang on the end of the uh, the second half. So deep into to injury time, there was six minutes given of injury time. And with about five minutes, 50 seconds, uh, well, no, to be fair, I think probably about um, four minutes of that injury time. There was a, uh, a challenge. I say challenge in inverted commas um, on a uh, on a Spanish player who proceeded to to lie dormant, dead um, on the edge of the six yard box. Play continued for some time before the referee eventually went to to VAR, um, and with literally ten seconds left of the six minutes extra time given, injury time given, um, it awards a penalty to Spain for what they then showed as a replay as, as quite, quite possibly one of the most innocuous challenges I think yeah. you'll ever see. It, it was nothing. It was it was it was a shambles of a decision. It was I mean both players the ball was up in the air. The both both players went to obviously side foot the ball. Uh, the English defender side foot the other players foot. It was very minimal contact, and the Spanish the Spanish player dove. He started rolling around, you know, mad out. He knocked him off balance. Yeah. It was a, 
It was it was a terrible decision, but we all know as soon as the referee's told to go and have a look at the monitor, yeah. um, you know we know he's going to give the penalty. But if if their penalties and free kicks, and I think I said on my live stream that the football would never play. You know this isn't a non-contact sport. There is going to be contact between players, and it was just a it was an awful decision uh, from our perspective. And you just your heart sank, didn't it? Mine did. And I yeah, just thought, yeah. oh my god, there's just. As an England fan, you always just feel like there's something always going against us. And you just thought, for God's sake. And yeah, it was one of them where in, in by the time the referee had made the decision, the six minutes was basically up anyway, because like I said, he was on the floor for a good minute. Yeah. And you were just thinking, oh, no. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was one of those moments where you just thought this can't be happening. Well, Spanish player stepped up and I must admit, I thought he was going to do one of these silly dancing up and sort of stop, start, take a penalty. But he struck it. He struck it quite well. But Trafford, to his absolute credit, saved it once, saved it twice. Um, and then the other guy spanked it over the bar. I mean, w- what an end to a game of football. Yeah, I mean, it's one of, I'm not going to lie, it's one of the best endings to a cup final I've seen because it's. It, it, I think if you, if you line that, what Trafford did in that moment with the fact that he's kept a clean sheet throughout the whole tournament. It's yes. just a, it's just such a fairy tale thing to happen. And you're like, no one was beating him this tournament. And I did, it was one of those where you think as he's had such a good tournament. I did feel a little bit confident Trafford in saving it, but I didn't want to say it's one of those where you think, no, I can't. And I don't think it was the best penalty. Um, I think the second save for Trafford to react so quickly was arguably better, but I mean, what a moment, what a moment. And it was justice because it wasn't yes. a penalty. It really was not a penalty. And I think it would have been incredibly harsh on England um, if Spain would have scored that and it had gone to extra time. Uh, but Trafford, what a instant cult hero for England now. So, yeah, brilliant moment. Yeah, he, uh, as much as as much as much Palmer won us the uh, the trophy, Trafford has, has equaled that by by saving that and and ke- keeping us in it, winning us that trophy for the first time since 1984. I mean, of we've mentioned some of these players, who who do we see really going forward? I know it's a, like a finger in the air. Um, I mean, Trafford say about some of these players being um, having their career extended by making the right moves. He's supposed to be going to Burnley, um, newly promoted Burnley from Manchester City. That's, yeah. that's got that's, to be a step the right in the move. right direction. Yeah, that's that's the right move. And that's what players at this level, I believe, need to do more of. I mean, he's, a, let's be honest, the biggest club at the moment in the country. You know, he knows he's got a, he's got a cushy number there. He'll be, you know, playing for Man City at that age group. You're thinking, you know, I'm at the best club. and But he's wanting to go out and play football. He's wanting to, you know, be the number one somewhere and take a step up. And that's, that's what I feel you want to see from these lads. And if they're going to succeed... They're the gambles they're going to have to take. Um, Anthony Gordon, I think it's a big season for him. He went for yeah. big money, didn't it, to Newcastle? And I, and I do believe he was one of England's outstanding players. He did win player of the tournament as well. So you expect him to to now push on. Gibbs White as well. I think we we're saying he seemed Gibbs White seems to have been around for years already, but he's still still really young. So I'd like to see him go along. But I think Smith Rowe, for me, he should be leaving Arsenal this season. I just feel like. It's going to be another one of those where he's probably not going to be a permanent starter. He's going to be in and out of the team. And I just feel like 
he's ready now to be playing regular football and I don't think he's going to get that Arsenal and I just I don't know for me I would like to see him I would like to have seen him move but I don't think he will do um, and then who knows with the others Levi Colwell everyone seems to keep mentioning him um, I think from an England perspective you've got to start looking at those defenders because it's going to be a challenge isn't it for any attacking player to break into that England squad with the strength and depth we've got up front with you know your Grealishes, your Canes, Foden's and all those sorts of players but in the back four, particularly at centre-back, you know, Harwood, Bellis and Levi Colwell, uh, you expect those two to to have a good shout, actually, of coming into a senior England squad pretty soon because we need we need other options there and we simply haven't got them. Are we thinking for, like, next year? Can some of these players make the step so soon for the squad or being well we get there um, for Germany next year for the Euros or is it too soon I mean uh, it's difficult because as we all know six months in football is a long time isn't it or you know a year or whatever but I'm looking at previous England squads that have gone to tournaments recently and particularly defenders you obviously have Maguire Stones you know your starters and then it's your Connor Cody's your Mings the players that may not always start um but some of these players have been in and out of the England squad now. They haven't made much of an impact. Why not? You know, why not take a Levi Cowell or a Harwood Bellis? Even if they don't play, it's it's great experience for them. And I wouldn't be, I'd be pretty comfortable with, you know, either one of those two playing at centre-back for England. I, I really would. It wouldn't be, you know, they're obviously not, they haven't got the experience yet. But, you know, why not? Why not? I think you've got to have a mix of, youth and obviously experience going to a tournament and it's no good is it if we we can't complain about clubs not giving these players chances if then at the international stage we don't provide them opportunities as well particularly when they're playing you know they're playing well and winning trophies at international level even at a youth one so you know we've got to when I say we you know Southgate England as an England fan you know we've got to give them the opportunities now if they're proving themselves throughout the the youth levels yeah just a couple of other names that I think we ought to throw into the pot. Um, obviously, it's Cameron Archer, um, Cole Palmer, Harvey Elliott. Um, Jacob Ramsey, unfortunately, um, yeah. went home injured during the um, during the tournament, but proved himself to be one of those players that I think can uh, can go forwards. Um, and and you kind of also have to say um, to to follow in Balogun. Here, here's what you could have had. This is what yeah. you could have had. You could have picked that trophy up. Yeah, um, yeah. Not not wanting to I, stick the knife in too deep. But, no, but you know. the, the interesting thing is, and, and again, this shows the strength and depth England have. Um, Balogun was England's top goal scorer in qualifying for this tournament at this level. So you think England's coming to this tournament with their top goal scorer, you know, not playing, but we didn't miss him. You know, we did not miss him. It, we, we didn't we didn't struggle to score goals or create opportunities. And I think going back to um, Jacob Ramsey, it was a nice touch, wasn't it, from the players at the end to hold his shirt up with the trophy. I think that was really nice. And it shows how England has changed. And I think this all comes from Gareth Southgate. It's long gone now, these club loyalties, these, you know, confrontations. Every time any sort of group of players at English levels come together, they seem to be a really coherent group. And it's and it's proving a really positive thing to, to, you know, to do well in these tournaments. And Jacob Rams is at the right club with the right manager at the right time. Um, you know, Aston Villa will obviously be getting European football this year as well. So I expect him to do, you know, go on and do bigger, better things as well. But you look at the squad and like you said, there's, there's 
we haven't even mentioned Madueke, who at the start was one of the most exciting players. I do think as the tournament went on, he struggled a little bit and he did come out of the starting lineup, actually. Um, but he still looks a, a great talent. Um, so, yeah, it's just there's, there's so many good players there. Um, and you expect, I expect more of these to go on and do something than previous generations. Okay. Well, I know we spoke um, a little while back about when Gareth Southgate's job was up for debate, um, basically after that hungry mauling, um, in the in the short time that we've got left, do, can we uh, can we throw Lee Carsley's name into the mix all of a sudden? Him and Ashley Cole? Look, why not? Because I am a firm... But I, I, Barcelona, Spain, all these other... You know, Italy even, to an example. All these other countries trust their systems. And how many times I've seen a Barcelona coach appointed or a Spanish coach appointed, and I've never even heard of them. And you just think because they've been involved with their setup, they know their style of play, yeah. they know the players. Gareth Southgate has proven that if you bring a coach up who's worked with the younger players and, you know, who's essentially going to be coaching them at a senior level, it can, it can prove successful. He knows them. Um, I'm I'm a firm believer you don't have to have a big name in charge to uh, to do well. And yeah. he's he's had a good tournament. He's done everything right, um, both from an attacking perspective and from a defensive perspective. So I, I wouldn't be against it at all. That certainly raised his stock. Um, yeah. I know that you you done a watch along on the the channel um, for the game. Fair play to you. It went really well. And also, I, was, I had you in my ear whilst I was watching the. Uh, watching the game it's, it's amazing how much you you need to sort of keep talking and and to your credit you've done really well keeping that um watch along flowing so fair play no yeah thank you for that it's my first one so um yeah i didn't really know what i was doing if i was honest with you <laughs> messing around with the graphics but it was a good one i think i said what i mean what a first time uh my first watch along on the channel and england win a trophy so uh, you know happy days i couldn't have picked On- a better one really onwards and upwards <laughs> um no sir uh, it was good good to watch and and great to have you on board here so many thanks for for joining us once again and yeah no doubt we'll speak again yeah brilliant thanks for having me russell Big thanks to Gary there. His YouTube channel, uh, if you're not aware of it, is Channel England Football. Uh, he's also on Twitter too, at Channel England One. We'll no doubt chat again. But in the meantime, go give him a follow uh, or subscribe to that channel on YouTube as well. It's got plenty of good content there. Going forwards, I'm just looking. Uh, the next Under-21s European Championships is 2025. It's to be held in Slovakia. And the next Under-20s World Cup, again, in the same year uh, as yet. Uh, no venue has been selected for that. So there are plenty of opportunities um, to follow the Young Lions. Uh, in fact, even sooner than that, uh, the Under-21s, well, they'll be looking to qualify um, for that Slovakia Euros as soon as the 11th of September, when they're away to Luxembourg. Uh, Then in October, they are at home to Serbia. Uh, The venue there is yet to be announced. (laughs) Unknown venues. Yes, that's a touchy subject at the moment. Uh, Maybe this week. We shall see. Uh, I am, of course, talking Ukraine away. 
Tickets for the Young Lions, they are usually priced really well. Uh, I mentioned that I went and saw them, the under-21s play at Fulham. cost me a tenner. Um, you get to see the future stars of England, uh, and you also get to see some decent maybe, Premier League, Championship, League One grounds as you do it as well. Uh, of course, I'll try to do my best to keep you updated here. Now, thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can follow the podcast on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And you may also have heard of Threads. Just search Three Lions Podcast. You'll find me there. So you can, I don't know, what do they call it? Thread me? I have no idea. That sounds a little bit dodgy, but tweet me still. You can do. Get in touch. Always good to hear from you. So with one trophy already in the bag which I assume actually will be either displayed at St George's Park or Wembley. Uh, There's another one up for grabs very soon, of course, the Women's World Cup. Um, Actually, if you're going on the Wembley tour anytime soon, let me know if you spot that under-21s trophy. That'd be good to know. Uh, Yes, the Women's World Cup. I will be taking a look at the Lionesses very soon. I hope you'll be able to join me for it. So until the next time, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.